Please listen carefully. Hello and welcome to episode 84 of the Telling the Story podcast. I am Matt Pearl, author of the Telling the Story blog and a reporter at NBC in Atlanta. This podcast is all about developing your voice as a journalist and developing the skills to harness that voice. We've got a different kind of voice coming your way in a minute, but first, a few requests. Please subscribe to this podcast on Stitcher Smart Radio or Apple Podcasts and rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. If you like what you're hearing and you want others to hear it too, a kind rating is the best way to boost us in the rankings and search, so I kindly encourage that. Secondly, you can buy my book, The Solo Video Journalist, wherever fine books are sold. And now you can buy the second edition. It is a how-to guide for the most in-demand job in local TV news, those who shoot and edit their own stories. We've got all new interviews and updates for the new edition. I'm hearing some really nice feedback. Again, that is the solo video journalist on sale now. I've done 83 of these episodes and interviewed nearly as many guests, each one a storyteller or journalist, whether with the pen and keyboard or the mic and camera. This episode is different. It is rare that we hear after the fact about what it's like to have your story told, And it's really important right now that we as journalists are reminded of the situations, perspectives, and emotions of the people we interview. I was reminded of this last week. One of my stories about a restaurant grappling with the challenges of the COVID-19 pandemic won an NPPA National Award for photography. I posted this and I tagged the restaurant and its owner, with whom I had spent days doing interviews and learning her situation, responded with a comment so poignant I wanted to extend the conversation further. She is the co-owner of Jen Chan's restaurant in Atlanta, Georgia. Emily Chan, welcome to the Telling the Story podcast. Hello, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Emily, it has been a few months since we first met and since my story ran. And before we get into the story and what it was like for you to experience, I would love if you could just give our listeners a brief description of the restaurant you run and what it's been like this year. Well, this year has just been rainbows and butterflies. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Um, We have a small family restaurant in Cabbage Town. Um, We sell pizzas and Chinese food and Asian food um, and Southern food. And we also have a uh, prepared uh, meal delivery service. Um, And that's kind of how we started off to get our brick and mortar. Um, This past year has... There is no real way to um, summarize it in in any way. I don't really have the words, um, and I've been trying to find them for a long time. It has been a very hard year. It has tested um, our family, and it has tested um, my decisions in life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I'm just ready to see uh, the other side of it. Yeah, and we will get into a lot of that as well as we... Uh, continue this conversation. But I, I wanted to jump into the comment you wrote last week when I posted about this award. And I'll just read what you wrote. You said, this is fantastic, talking about the award. And then you said, this interview still haunts us and not in a negative way. It simply captured our vulnerability, which is truly every small business owner's vulnerability during this past year. I went back and watched it last week and it was painful. It still is. We are still fighting week to week, and we still see the light at the end of this tunnel. Thank you for sharing our story so thoughtfully and carefully. We admire your professionalism and ability to visually translate what we went through and are still going through. 
Congratulations on this award. You deserve it. Beautiful storytelling and stunning imagery. Now, I did not want to come in and talk, you know, just, just humble brag about my professionalism and ability as a journalist and storyteller, but more to talk about what it was like for you. Because I think, again, so often we go and we tell stories and we try to put ourselves in the minds of the people we're interviewing, but we can never fully do it. And I think it's such a reminder, reading your comment was such a reminder for me, you know, about how life goes on and about how the stories we tell have very real impacts on the people about whom we tell them. So I'd love to hear a little more from you about that, about, first of all, what it was like to get this phone call in the first place. And you, you know, I've seen you, I had seen before that you had done a few interviews with um, like Eater Atlanta and a few publications like that. But when I called and said, hey, I want to follow you guys around basically for a week or two and do a long form piece on what you're going through and it would be on camera, what was your initial response? How am I going to find the time? (laughs) We are, uh, you know, we've, run such a skeleton crew since um, the pandemic happened that I'm just up here morning, noon and night with a a lunch break with my um, wife and child, hopefully. Um, So it was just hard to figure out the timing of it all, but it was also um, a story I wanted shared because it just can feel very, um, uh, anonymous not that's not really the word i'm looking for but when you hear the statistics about what's happening in the restaurant business and you can't really put a face to it um you know it's it's a little bit harder to really digest how hard it is um and we're not a restaurant that um was fortunate enough to start with any working capital at all uh we did not have a penny to start the restaurant and um, it was built by friends and family, and I say that all the time because they literally reupholstered uh, used furniture we got from Habitat for Humanity and, and um, put on you know dirty clothes and cleaned up the restaurant whenever we first opened it and moved everything in, and everything was just you know borrowed, <laughs> borrowed or donated. So you know it's a labor of love and it's a small business, and I feel like a and um, you know Atlanta is a very competitive restaurant market and there's a lot of you know multi-unit small well-known but still small but just multi-unit um chefs and restaurateurs around here that get a whole lot of the attention and that's fantastic i don't want to you know take the oxygen out of the room there but you know they also have a lot more resources um i think to get things like you know, the PPP and faster and and the resources and the lawyers and the, you know, all of those things that maybe a little small restaurant in Cabbage Town, we didn't really have that luxury. You said something at the beginning and and you said it laughing, but I, I feel like it's a really important point that you did have to find a lot of time for me. And that is not, you know, it's certainly not something that I take for granted when when I reach out to people, because I do typically long form stories and I'm asking people to, you know, devote chunks of their days and sometimes their weeks to allowing me to, you know, be there and to be, you know, a fly on the wall in some cases, but also to literally take them out of whatever they're doing to sit them down and interview them. And and you were very much that way. And I know, 
you know, we probably did about five or six shoots over the course of two weeks. And I remember at the time thinking, like, this is a lot more than I usually do. Like, this is, you know, usually we would try to condense it all into a couple of days or maybe even just one day. But your schedule didn't allow for that. And to some degree, neither did mine. And and I had to be able to accept that timeline that, you know, this story wasn't going to turn around in a week. It was probably going to be closer to a month and that that would be okay because everything that I was able to witness and able to capture with my camera was going to be worth showing. So I I really do think that's an important thing for storytellers to realize whether you're doing long form stories or if you're trying to turn something around in a day and you need someone to take an hour or two out of their day, you know, completely unprompted, that's a that's a big deal. And especially a, for a struggling business, that's a big, big deal. It's a very big deal. I I um I I do remember a couple times before it was happening, you know, because we did schedule four or five different shoots and me just going, I don't I mean, even yesterday we were gonna do this podcast. I was like, I can't, I can't. Right. I, someone didn't <laughs> someone didn't show up for work and the orders are coming in and I've got to do this. And um uh, so it was very hard. And also you know, I, I think there were a couple days where you wanted to shoot uh, like the supper club stuff. And I was like, sorry, wife vetoed that. <laughs> <laughs> and and just back it up a little bit for the listeners who don't know what talk about what the supper club is. So, on, um, you know, we deliver the supper club throughout the week, Monday through Friday. But the bulk of our subscriptions, uh, the subscribers get theirs on um, Monday and Tuesday. So Monday is our huge prep day. Like throughout the week, I'll do a couple, maybe 10, 15, 20 orders on random days. And those I just sort of can do by myself. But for the huge bulk of people that happens on Monday and Tuesday, that's whenever I have to, um, you know, we just go in, the the whole crew goes in at six o'clock in the morning and it's all day. And sometimes product doesn't come in. And, you know, sometimes we the bread didn't come in that day and we have to figure this out. And so it is a, it's the most stressful day of my life every Monday. (laughs) And here I come wanting to do an interview with you. (laughs) Right. And so my, my wife jokingly was like, I don't think anyone wants to hear all of the cussing that's going to be happening (laughs) on Monday. So let's just, let's just leave that out. The world doesn't need to see it. (laughs) And by the way, on top of everything, I had COVID restrictions on my end, which, which I think actually typically there's restrictions on both ends. I think, because you keep such a strict shop in general, you were a little, you were willing to be a little more lenient with me, but I couldn't go into your restaurant and I couldn't mic you up. So in addition to all of these hurdles, I had to find ways to do all of these interviews outside. And I remember I showed up the first day to do an interview with you and your wife at your house. And it started raining as I was driving. And I'm like, well, I can't, you know, I'm not going to make them sit out in the rain and do an right. interview. And that killed us too, because we were like, we've got to get this. I've got to go right. back to the restaurant. Right. <laughs> all, all that is to say, and again, I, I just make that point to the storytellers and journalists listening out there, that it is not anyone's responsibility to give their time to you. And you have to be understanding of that as you plan your day and willing to roll with whatever punches do occur. I, I would like to think that we got to that point, uh, you know, over the couple of weeks. Because like I said, originally I thought it would be a couple of days of shooting and it wound up being that much, the amount of time I thought it would take, but spread out over two weeks. And ultimately that was for the best. But the other thing I wanted to ask you about when, when you get a request like this, 
And I think it's different when you get a request from like an Eater Atlanta, which is, you know, it's going to publicize what you say, but it's going to be in print as opposed to being on camera, having your child in the, you know, on camera as well, and putting yourself out there to that degree. Did you have any reservations about that? I mean, of course. Um, you know, the camera thing was hard. We actually had quite a few staff members who who would not go on camera at all. I remember that. Uh, if, you, if you recall that. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> um, you know, like even the day of their interview, they're like, oh, never mind. I'm not going to do this. And, um, I, and I do, I do want to jump in and say that was part of the story that I really wanted to tell was about, you know, not just what it was like to own a restaurant, but also to work at one. And because your staff members didn't want to go on camera, that was, that was really something I wasn't able to explore to the degree that I wanted to. But again, that's entirely their right. And right. that's just something that I had to live with in telling the story. So it, anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're a little nervous. You're um, you're trying not to be, uh, <laughs> but you, you can't help it. Like if you're not used to being in front of a camera, I think obviously you're going to trip over words and things like that. Um, and, you know, as much as you're telling a story, there was obviously a story that I wanted to share. Um, so, you know, out of I don't know how many hours of footage you may have gotten but, you know, before we saw the edit, you know, sitting there talking to my wife going, I wonder if that piece is going to go in. I wonder, I should have said, I should have told the story about this, or I should have said this. And why did I say that? I mean, you know, you, you go through and you second guess. Um, you can ask somebody the same question on a different day and you're going to get a different answer. Right. But I don't necessarily, like, I don't know really how to respond too much about being in front of the camera, except it's, it's nerve wracking. Um but maybe because it was so distanced because of COVID, it had a different feel to it for me. Um, you know, you were always outside. Um, so literally outside of the door <laughs> of our kitchen and literally we were on our back deck while we sat inside and you were outside. So there was some, I guess, some separation. And I think that's something that, that I try to be aware of too. Typically, in non-COVID times, what I would have done is put a lavalier mic on your shirt, like just clamp it to your, or uh, yeah, just like, you know, clip it to your shirt. And right. then I can really stay back and not have to worry about anything. As it was, I had to put a uh, kind of a stick microphone on a light stand, which I extended as far as I could, you know, when you were, for example, there was one shoot that we did when you were sitting at a table in your restaurant and it was relatively early in the morning and I couldn't go in the restaurant, but I could extend this, this light stand with the microphone on it as far as it would go so that I could get it as close to the table as possible. And it still wasn't perfect, but you know, those are the things that we do. And, you know, I think those are decisions that, that we make as storytellers and it's something where we have to gauge how comfortable the person we're interviewing is. If they, if they're okay with having the camera in their face every now and then, or if it's right. best just to kind of stand back. And, and I, I got that sense from you. And in some of the situations, like I shot part of this story while you were having a fundraising event and there was, uh, there was a glassblower selling his work outside and you had set up, uh, it was around the holidays, you had set up a spiked eggnog uh, stand. And I was able to just kind of put the microphone in a place where it would be hidden from the shot 
and stay back and capture the video and audio that I needed. And that's how I typically try to operate. And I think an important way to operate, uh, whether it's COVID or not, just to give people space to breathe and feel as natural as they can. I hope that came through. Uh, I remember you. that being the the most natural I felt. And, you know, I don't know if it's because you weren't obviously directly asking me. You did, though. You did uh, ask me direct questions then, but I did feel like I was much more natural there, maybe just because I was obviously doing my job at the same time instead of just sitting in a chair in my house answering questions. But, um, yeah, I definitely felt uh, I felt much more relaxed during that setup. This is the Telling the Story podcast. I'm Matt Pearl. She is Emily Chan, co-owner of Jen Chan's Restaurant in Atlanta, um, now I fast, I wanted to fast forward to the story airs a few weeks after that first shoot. And, you know, this is what you posted about in that comment about how it affected you. And, and I'm curious the first time you saw it, just what it felt like to see the different things that I had chosen to focus on and to see yourself reflected in a five minute news story which for local news that is almost an eternity five minutes is more than nearly any story you'll ever see on a local newscast but even that given all the time we spent together I'm sure felt like just a blip yeah um you know I thought you definitely like whenever um you know you met me there you know I don't remember what time it was five or six o'clock in the morning I felt like that sort of um really captured what it is like uh and the silence you know going going in what used to be a hustling bustling restaurant and then going in and it's just silence everywhere um and you still have to work just the same amount of hours but there's no no real return um you're just 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 working <laughs> just working trying to get through to the to the other side um but i i definitely walk, watching it um you know, the first time and I didn't quite realize that I teared up during the shoot of it, um, during the shooting. And that made me tear up again. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's hard to watch yourself break a little bit. Um, you know, I, that's, that's always, I, I don't know, I guess it's never happened before, so I can't say that's always, but it's, it's weird. It's hard to watch yourself tear up on camera. In speaking with you as much as I have, and part of the reason I, I felt like you would be such a good candidate for a story like this, I, I just, I always appreciated how thoughtful and reflective you were about this whole experience. It was something I, I felt when we first spoke on the phone. Again, it was why I thought that you and your restaurant would be such a great way to individualize and personalize what so many restaurant owners and workers and, and people in that industry are going through. I'm curious as someone who has thought about it so much and has given it so much time and, and reflection and, and I'm sure it's taken so much stress in your life. How did it feel to see those reflections on a TV screen and to see it kind of fed back to you? Hmm. I don't really know how to answer that question. Um, I really don't know how to answer that question. That's all I can say. Um, I mean, 
everything is being reprocessed every day. So I, I guess when I went back and watched it um, after seeing that you won the award, I, you know, I can't name in particular, but there's definitely things that I feel very differently about now. And then there's things that, that sting because it feels like it is, I just felt that this morning, you know, whenever I'm, mm. I was talking about how I woke up this morning and didn't know if I could do that again. Like I, I've almost named the feeling in my gut that I get when I'm not sure if tomorrow we're going to be open again. I don't quite have a name for it, but it is such a, a singular sensation yeah. And I felt it that morning and I was explaining to you, I was like, I just don't know how much longer I can put my family through this. And that I would say that it, it's on repeat. Maybe it used to be every other week. And now I think I get hit with it once a month where I just really start looking at the bills and I really start looking at the debt and I really start looking at the pandemic as a whole and just wondering, you know, if there was ever a moment to sell the house and move, <laughs> <laughs> and just start over somewhere else, then maybe that's what this pandemic is trying to teach me. And then, of course, I just think about all the people um, who, who have helped us and have put so much effort into this. I just feel like I, I have to, like I have to make it. <laughs> so yeah. so that's, that's it. But as far as, you know, reflecting on, on what this past year has been it's you know i got my first covid shot my wife and i did congratulations um, i mean congratulations just it was so emotional um you know again it's still you're still like one foot you want to push forward but you also realize that you have a three-year-old who will not be getting vaccinated anytime soon because you know it's not approved for that so we still have a long hard road ahead of mask wearing and, and still following all those guidelines, regardless of if you're fully vaccinated, there's just too many unknowns. So I don't know. It's hard to get a real perspective on things because they, they seem to not, they seem to be changing every day and, and not simultaneously, if that makes any sense at all. It makes a lot of sense. And I will say that one of the advantages, I think ultimately in spreading the shoots out like we did and my getting to spend time with you over a course of weeks is I was able to witness those day-to-day -day shifts in your, you know, the, the pendulum swinging between optimism and pessimism and, right. you know, the way that you would rise and fall with various things going on and various factors that weren't always under your control. And I think that was part of, you know, anytime I do a story, I'm, I try to grasp the situation from the mindset of the person who I'm interviewing as well as I can, knowing that I, I will never know what it is like to run a restaurant during the COVID pandemic or run a restaurant, period. But Don't do it. Tell listeners <laughs> out there, everyone who's listening, don't open a restaurant. I mean, come on. <laughs> People say that about uh, going into journalism, too. It's it's right. uh, it's it's a similar right. concept. But um, yeah, but but I think spending that time with you and, and seeing those fluctuations, it was eye opening. And I tried to put that in the piece as much as I could. I'm curious. Um, you know, you talked about going back to that comment that you wrote because again it, it hit me pretty hard that the interview still haunts you but not in a negative way 
and that it captured your vulnerability. Yeah. Looking back, I mean, that that's there is absolutely a degree to which anybody who agrees to be interviewed for a story has to put themselves out there and be vulnerable. What I think yeah. struck me about your comment was that that it still ripples that that vulnerability, the effects of that is, is you know, they, they still show up months later. I'm curious if you could elaborate on that a little bit. Right. I mean, uh, you know, I would love for a Matt Pearl interview to be like in our restaurant and it's full and you're like showing video of all of our dishes and you're like, <laughs> come on down to Jen Chan's. This is the best food ever. Like that's what you want a moment of your face on TV to be. Um, you know, not a moment on your face, uh, a moment of your face on TV that regardless of whether it's your fault or not, you're discussing failure. So that's, you know, that's hard. It's, um, it's hard to see my face, my, my wife, my son, and we're just talking about, honestly, uh, active failure of uh, business, you know, success. And that's, you know, what what's happening this year. Um, and failure is the word I use because the opposite of that is success. And, you know, it's not going to be permanent. I have full faith and hope in that, but it's really hard to watch that um, interview because it is sadness to me. <laughs> it's just yeah. complete and total. Um, it's a very dark time. Um, this, this year has been the darkest. Um, and I've had a lot of crappy things happen like most humans on the planet, but this has just been the longest period of stress. I can't name how many times I've told my wife, I don't think I should just go to the hospital today because I feel like I'm going to have a heart attack. <laughs> and I'm not saying that as people who joke about how stressed they are. It means I feel it in my chest. There's too much weight. I don't know if I, I, I need to step outside and breathe. Um, those days are less and less between, like they're further apart than they used to be. Um, but watching that brings it all back, you know, watching the, that interview of multiple days and um, all the feelings involved in it. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to watch, but um, I think it tells a, you know, obviously I'm super impressed with just, again, that, filter you know you have i dabbled with video editing i have the uh, art degree and i really just loved um working with premiere and doing things like that uh, it just takes so much time <laughs> it's, yes it's years and years to edit just the tiniest bit of footage <laughs> but it's also that filtering you know like that actual which pieces of the story you know are you going to tell and which pieces are you not going to tell the string together to make a cohesive piece of art you know a, a, a snippet of someone's life and I just feel like um, this was a very good curation of that you know like it was there wasn't anything that was not necessary if that makes sense yeah well I, I appreciate that that is certainly what what we go for um, what was the response like uh, to the story what did you hear about it um, just a lot of root, rooting for us. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good thing. That, that's it. A lot of rooting for us. We actually had quite a few, um, phone calls to the restaurant, just asking how the supper club worked and, and that they saw our interview. Some people just didn't have any money, but just wanted to tell us that, um, that, that they 
support us and can't wait until they do because <laughs> there's a lot of people in the same boat. And then we have a lot of people who were saying, you know, I've got, you know, I'd like to buy a $50 gift card to support y'all. So we had a little, little boost like that. And I think we probably, you know, honestly picked up a little bit of business from it just from people saying, Oh, let me check this place out, you know? So that, yeah. that was definitely, definitely a bonus. You know, I, I go back to that evening shoot that I did where you had the eggnog stand and there was the glass blower selling his items. And it was one of the few times since March, since this whole thing began, where I was reminded of what it's like to feel a real communal experience occurring right in front of me and, and, and being a part of it, even though I was just shooting it for a story. There was beauty in seeing people in your neighborhood walk by and you getting to greet them and, and actually catch up and have conversations with them. It was cool to watch the activity of the glassblown items being sold and the eggnog being sold and and that that just energy, which I feel like just hasn't been there in so many ways. And I would imagine that as lonely as it is for so many of us, and I don't have to imagine this because you told me this in our interview, it is incredibly hard when you run a restaurant and you're used to people being in your restaurant. You're used to being able to pop out from behind the kitchen and ask people how they're doing. I'm curious when a story like that runs and suddenly you're hearing from people, even people who you've never met before, what was that like for you to experience during this pandemic when so many days are just, you know, you, your wife and your child? No, it was, it was really, it was really nice. Uh, I mean, I, that um, eggnog evening was, was really nice too. I feel like, you know, Jen and I always built our business on ensuring it was a family restaurant and that we chat with our guests. And, you know, I, I always like, my, some of my kitchen staff thinks I'm crazy, but I'll be on the line. I'll finish a dish. I'll look at the tickets. I'll run out and I'll talk to guests and I'll come back behind the line. I mean, that's whenever, you know, pre COVID I always felt very special whenever I would go out to eat and a manager would come by or the owner would come by, you know, like that, just that little point of concern and care for the guest, you know, reminding everyone exactly why we're in this business. So that eggnog night was really nice. And that was the first night I was able to speak to guests, you know, albeit behind a mask in a very long time. Um, you know, I think I talked a little bit about how eerie it was, especially the March and April of the pandemic. When we closed our doors to the public, we were slammed um, with takeout orders and no real way of handling that many takeout orders with, you know, with such a small staff because of COVID, I only allowed one person on the line at a time for almost the entire year. Um, so we had one cook um, and you're handling takeout orders. And it was just absolutely insane. And you couldn't hear a single voice. There was no, I just can't recreate how eerie it was and sad <laughs> to, to be, I guess it just takes all of that joy and all of that, everything that you're in the hospitality industry for out. And it just makes you feel like this weird machine putting things in boxes that, you know, is not going to taste as good as it should because it was in a box and steam and all that stuff. Sorry. I know I just went completely derailed. No, that's okay. I also love that. I feel like I'm hearing prep going on behind me. It is prep right now. Our, my, my, our sales have been 
really doing great. We've got some tables outside now. We're allowing just one or two tables inside at a time. Um, and we are just super, um, super excited. We have a new menu. Um, everything just, we, we, I told Jen, I said, this just, just can happen for another couple weeks. <laughs> just well, another couple weeks. I think, I think, uh, this will be fantastic. <laughs> Well, the sound of prep uh, surely means that it is time to wrap this conversation. But yes, Emily, uh, before <laughs> before I let you go, I'll just ask that famous reporter's question. Is there anything we haven't talked about that you would want to add that you feel is important to this conversation? Uh, you know, I, I feel like you covered everything. And I, I that the sentiment of, of what happened this year in a small business was distilled in a five minute interview that you did. And I just... You know, I appreciated the respect you had for my time um, because it was hard. Um, and I was, you know, just how careful you were in framing questions um, around a very sensitive, you know, heartbreaking topic was, um, I appreciated it. Well, I appreciate all the time that you were willing to spend with me. And that includes today. Emily Chan, thank you so much for joining me on the Telling the Story podcast. All right. Thank you. Sorry about the background noise. <laughs> it is all good. And the Telling the Story blog updates every Wednesday. The website is tellingthestoryblog.com. Rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher Smart Radio. And check out my book, The Solo Video Journalist, Second Edition. Thank you to Jazar for the theme music. Thanks to Emily Chan for joining me as my guest. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Telling the Story podcast. We'll see you next time.